0: From PRI, Public Radio International, welcome to Harmonia. I'm Angela Mariani, inviting you to join us this hour for the third in a series of four programs exploring canons and fugues from the earliest written music to J.S. Bach, who gets a whole program to himself in the fourth installment. This week, it's round three, plus keyboard music of Georg Ludwig Böhm from a 2013 compilation of Böhm's complete works played by Simone Stella. The famous or perhaps even infamous Pachelbel Canon, or more specifically, the canon part of Johann Pachelbel's Canon and Jig in D major. So many recordings of this piece, and each one a little different from the others. That one from a 1986 Deutsche Gramophone recording by the English Concert with harpsichordist Trevor Pinnock. Can you imagine a world without the Pachelbel canon? Did you know that it only became really popular after the 1980 film Ordinary People, for which it was the theme? And did you know that the piece was completely unknown until the early 20th century, when a musicologist named Max Seifert found it in a library in Berlin? He must have shown it to his colleague Gustav Beckmann, who published it in a musicological article in 1919. There are recordings of the piece out there that last for three minutes, and others that last nine minutes. We don't know what Johannes Pachelbel or Pachelbel had in mind for a tempo. And by the way, Pachelbel is how his name is said in Germany, not like Taco Bell at all. The piece doesn't exist in an autograph or even a copy from the time of Pachelbel, only in a single source in an unknown hand, probably from the early 19th century, a hundred years after his death. And it bears no tempo indication of any kind. But heaven knows it's a canon or round because first of all, it's titled that way, and second, all three parts are fully written out in the sole manuscript. Before the advent of relatively cheap wood-based rather than rag-based paper, a piece like this would very possibly have had its melody written only once, with the word cannon indicated, either in writing or as a symbol, to tell us where the next player begins. Now, listen, it's the same exact bass line or ground as Pachelbel. You might notice that Purcell employs the exact same bass line or ground and harmonic progression as Pachelbel, a.k.a. Pachelbel, and I certainly hope that you smile several times as you hear Purcell's Canon. Upon hearing this piece for the first time, a student asked, what was he smoking? I suspect that Purcell was smoking English music from at least a hundred years before when false relations, that is, for example, playing B-flat and B-natural simultaneously, were an integral part of the English musical landscape. Think Bird, Talus, and even earlier, and putting his own unique young spin on it. We heard the ensemble Three Parts Upon a Ground playing Purcell's eponymous Canon on their 1993 Harmonia Mundi France CD, also entitled Three Parts Upon a Ground. Purcell also composed simpler rounds meant just for fun, such as this one.
1: So. And pleased her to so great a height that so she could not enjoy in end of the night. She but in depture, and pleased her, her oh, to oh, so sweet, great oh, a height that oh, she could not convey this end of the land. But in depture, cried her, was a swiss and his her heart. And and such is so a when sweet, are eating, sweet and sweet to that she could Oh,うんa, not come what say, Who would be better But in rapture, cried out, What a strange heart that she could. Sweet, sweet, sweets sweet, water. sweet, sweet, sweet,
2: Oh
1: sweet, sir. sweet, 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 Oh sweet, 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 water, sweet, sweet, Swiss
0: The Hilliard Ensemble sang the round, Sir Walter Enjoying His Damsel" from their 1985 Harmonia de France recording, The Singing Club. While the 17th century prepared the ground, as it were, for the crowning achievements of instrumental canonic literature, the vocal round saw a significant revival in the English catch collections. The first of these, Thomas Ravenscroft's Pamelia from 1609, contains a hundred works, some of them by Ravenscroft himself, that continue the vocal tradition of the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, whose primary function was social rather than artistic. Here's an example of such a round, imitating rustic accents and attitudes.
3: I am out some land in Kent, and if you'll love me, love me, now. I have an house and land in London, Kent, and if you'll love me, love me now. Twelve but but is my rent, I cannot come every day to woe. Twelve but is his rent, he cannot come every day to woe. Each of my father's eldest son, my mother, he doth love me well. Each of my father's eldest son, my mother... I've a out my shoe, and each full ring a bell. For he can have a leeched out his shoe, and he full well can ring a bell. My father, he gave me a hug, my mother, she gave me a sow. My father, he gave me a hug, my mother, she gave me a sow. I have a godfather dwells thereby, and he on me bestowed a crown. He has a
2: godfather
3: dwells there by, and he on him bestowed a cloud. One time I gave thee a paper of pins, another time a tawdry lace. One time I gave thee a paper of pins, another time a tawdry lace. And if thou wilt not grant me love, in truth it's died before for thy face. And if thou wilt not grant him love, in truth he'll die before thy face. It shall be twice our wits lord, it shall have ladies many fair. It shall be twice our wits lord, it shall have ladies many fair. And in the West my heart in home, and in my mind seems passing rare. And in the hast his heart in home, and in his mind seems passing rare. Itch will put on my best white slop And it's will wear my yellow hose it's will put on my best white slop And it's will wear my yellow hose And on my head a good grey hat And in it stick a lovely rose And on his head a good grey hat And in it stick a lovely rose
0: Wherefore
3: cease off, make no delay and if you'll love me, love me now, wherefore she's off, make no delay. And if you'll love me, love me now, or as she seeks a mother, wherefore it cannot come every day to woo. Or as she seeks some mother, wherefore it cannot come every day
0: to woo. That was the Dufy Collective performing a wooing song of a yeoman of Kent's son, on their Chando CD from 1995 called Johnny Cock Thy Beaver. Its provocative title cockily suggests, and correctly so, that 17th century English rounds delighted in double meanings, as we hear in this song about a man who very kindly attached a handle to a woman's hairbrush.
1: Maid Mary, having broke the handle of her hair broom. And hearing that Man John had a long stick would fit it, desired him to put it in for her. My Man John had a thing that was long. My Maid Mary had a thing that was heavy. My man John put his thing that was long into my maid Mary's thing that was heavy. A thing that was heavy. A thing that was heavy. My man John put his thing that was long into my maid Mary's thing that was heavy. My lid Mary then started it about. Till, with staring and staring at length, it came out. But then my man John thrust it in once again and knocked it most stoutly to make it remain. To make it remain, he knocked it most stoutly. He knocked it to make it remain, to make it it remain, he knocked it most doubtly to to make it remain. But John, with much knocking so wide and dull, that his long thing slips out still in spite of his soul, till wearied and vexed, and, that's, and with knocking grown sore, cried, Up take the hole, I'll knock it no pain, more, a off, take the hole. He knocked it.
0: You get the idea. The Baltimore Consort performed Eccles Round or Catch My Man John on their 1992 Dorian CD entitled The Art of the Body Song. After all this fun, perhaps this is a good time for a head-on, somewhat oversimplified, but still complex confrontation with terminology. In the Middle Ages, what we now call a canon or round was called lots of other things, including caccia, chasse, rondellus, and fugue, the latter from Latin words meaning flight or chase. By the 16th century, only a strictly canonic piece, as we know it, could be called a fugue. The term then diverges in the 17th century, when in one part of Italy, a fugue had several different contrapuntal ideas, each explored and brought to a cadence, and in another, a fugue had one theme that was exploited throughout the piece. Now we've turned a corner, and instrumental music, unhindered by text, has become an increasingly separate compositional challenge. One way to think of dividing the music is into free, improvisatory, perhaps chordal, often virtuosic, playing versus contrapuntally crafted and perfected separate voices, joining either under the hands of a keyboard player or perhaps as a wind or string quartet of some sort. The terminology and titles of individual compositions often confuse the issue more than clarify it. So let us just listen to a bit of preluding and a bit of carefully crafted counterpoint and see whether we can imagine this evolving into a prelude and fugue. Andrea Gabrielli, Giovanni's uncle, composed this Ricciacar in the very late 16th century. Listen for entries of a theme that begins with a repeated note then a rising fifth. Whoa, what an ending! Andrea Gabrielli explores a musical idea from all sorts of different angles, some with contrapuntal sections, others with amazing virtuosic outbursts, and yet others more chordal and improvisatory, but all on one theme. You heard Gary Cooper play the Ricciacar del settimo tono from Concordia's 2003 BBC release, The Glory of Venice. Our playlists, podcasts, and archived episodes are online at HarmoniaEarlyMusic.org. You can follow our Facebook page and our updates on Twitter by searching for Harmonia Early Music. Harmonia is a program of early music that comes to you from the studios of WFIU at Indiana University. Partial support for Harmonia comes from Penco Incorporated of Bedford, Indiana. Partial support also comes from Early Music America, fostering the performance, scholarship, and community of early music on the web at earlymusicamerica.org. I'm Angela Mariani, and this is PRI, Public Radio International. Frescobaldi was the first of the great composers of the ancient Franco-Netherlandish Italian tradition, who chose to focus his creative energy on instrumental composition. Let's hear what Frescobaldi calls a canzona. One idea is explored throughout the piece in different meters, and the piece is carefully and expertly worked out contrapuntally throughout. Especially at the beginning, does it possibly remind you of, say, a fugue from Bach's 48? Does the overall shape possibly sound like a sort of miniature art of the fugue? We heard Frescobaldi's Canzona Terza from 1627. Gustav Leonhardt played the harpsichord on this 2002 Alpha recording entitled Frescobaldi and Couperin. Were you able to hear different entries of the theme? It's fairly easy right at the beginning, but then gets more difficult as the piece continues. But the theme, with its tiny chromatic twist, is there right to the end. Alas, if all pieces called fugue were collected together and compared, no single common defining characteristic would be found apart from imitation in a very broad sense. And then there are pieces, like the ones we've just heard, that are called something other than fugue. The mid to late 17th century northern German composer Johann Jakob Froberger studied in Italy with Frescobaldi and then went back up north for most of his career. He was exposed to all sorts of current musical practices, and his compositions synthesize Italian, French, and German elements. Andrea Marcon played Froberger's Capriccio Number no. Three on the 1999 recording *L'eredità Frescobaldiana*, Volume Two. Calling his piece a capriccio, Froberger uses points of imitation the way a does, and helps bind together the northern and southern European ideas of what constitutes a fugue. Now we're really closing in on canons and fugues as J.S. Bach understood them. The next generation in Germany includes the composer Georg Bohm, who was particularly influential on the young J.S. Bach. Let's listen to a prelude and fugue of Bohm. From the four CD set, "Complete Harpsichord and Organ Music" Georg Böhm, released by Brilliant Classics in 2013, we heard Simone Stella playing Georg Böhm's Prelude and Fugue in G minor on the harpsichord. This collection of works by Böhm, a composer who was a strong influence on J.S. Bach, is also our featured recording on Harmonia this week. Here's a chaconne by Böhm with some striking and rather modern-sounding chord changes. We heard A schacon by German composer Georg Ludwig Böhm, born in 1661. Böhm was a strong influence on Johann Sebastian Bach. There's some evidence that Böhm and the younger Bach were friends, and Bach's son Carl Philipp Emanuel stated in a letter that his father had greatly admired Böhm's music. One aspect of Bohm's music was a style known as Stulus Fantasticus, the fantastic style, which featured a strong element of virtuosity and improvisation. Here's Bohm's Preludium in D minor, played by Simone Stella, from a CD set on the Brilliant Classics label, entitled Georg Bohm, Complete Harpsichord and Organ Music from a CD set entitled Georg Boom Complete Harpsichord and Organ Music, that was keyboardist Simone Stella playing Boom's Preludium in D minor. More music, stories, history, recordings, and other information about the world of early music can be found on our Harmonia Early Music podcasts, online at harmoniaearlymusic.org, and through iTunes. You're listening to Harmonia from PRI, Public Radio International. Harmonia is a production of WFIU and part of the educational mission of Indiana University. Additional resources come from the William and Gail Cook Music Library at the Indiana University Jacob School of Music. We welcome your thoughts about any part of this program or about early music in general. You can leave a comment or question anytime by visiting harmoniaearlymusic.org and clicking on Contact. The writer for this edition of Harmonia was Wendy Gillespie. Thanks to our studio engineer, Michael Pashkash, and our staff, Wendy Gillespie and Luann Johnson. Additional technical support comes from KTTZ at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas. Our producer is Elizabeth Clark, our executive producer is John Bailey, and I'm Angela Mariani, inviting you to join us again for the next edition of Harmonia.